Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and CNC crafting. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Gilman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 352, right? Yeah, 52. <laughs> you sound confident there. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember if I changed that in the notes or not. <laughs> yeah, because we just copy last notes and modify them each week. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if, uh, well, I wonder if like digital thing, like in Google Docs, gets like bit rot or something. This, this document might be getting close to that. Yeah, it's uh, we've had a lot of these. <laughs> um, so last week I mentioned I would never mention this again until next year, but I lied. Well, you, you, uh, well, you're not you, you're mentioning the results. Yeah, those are the results. Uh, results of what you might think, though. Um, last weekend um, was the charity stream I was been talking about for like the last six weeks at this point. Um, it was awesome. I want to thank everyone here on the podcast that showed up, that uh, supported it, that donated it uh, to it. Um, our goal was five thousand two hundred dollars, and we smashed that. We got over seven thousand something dollars. Uh, that's awesome. Um, I I've never been that tired in my life when when eight o'clock rolled around the next day. Like the last hour and a half was rough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like when we hit the $5,000 mark, um, one of the milestones was I dressed up as Duke Nukem um, and played uh, with like just as Duke Nukem. The thing about Duke Nukem though, is he wears sunglasses and I could barely see out of those sunglasses and see my monitor. And so by the time, like, like after like eight hours wearing sunglasses, like my brain was just like, you should go to sleep. It's like super dark. And I'm like, no, got to keep going. And the best thing was like, the stream was like telling me you got to take those off. And I'm like, no, like half of Duke's persona is those sunglasses. So, well, okay. So, so I watched a, a, a portion of it. I, I was probably there for maybe a third of the whole thing. Yeah. You uh, were there for quite a while. Well, and, and I mean, it was one of those things where I, it was my wife's birthday and we were having a party that night. And so I spent the entire day cleaning the house, getting ready for this party. So I was just like, I'll have Parker stream up on the TV the whole day. And uh, I think there was one thing that really bit you in the butt when it came to that. It was like the first game you played really, really was not uh, kind to you in a way. No, the Alien Colonial Marines we ran into a lot of technical issues with the game where like the game would just soft lock and just prevent you from progressing in the game. Um, well, and, and, uh, and you had some rules about uh, taking some drinks on deaths and there oh, was yeah, yeah. so many deaths that were just cheap shots. <laughs> yeah. So basically we had, yeah. So the rule was if I died in the game, I'd have to take a drink and that game was so broken, you would randomly just die. And so I started looking into why. Apparently, some like some of the patches basically broke some of the maps. And uh, the ge- sometimes geometry will kill you, or sometimes like an enemy would be invisible and kill you. 
Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> there, there was a whole lot of like, I heard Parker all the time. I'm not drinking for that. That was a, that was not a real day. Bullshit. <laughs> but then then I, I think I was fair though because I would die and I'm like, yeah, that's on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, you were totally fair. The game was yeah. not. The game was not. Um. And then then we got to uh, we got to the pizza stream. We actually beat that game faster than I thought. I think we beat that game in like seven or so hours. Um, if we were not having any problems, we probably would have cruised that game in like four. Yeah. Like we literally spent three hours like either replaying a level because it broke or um, because like just the game was just killing my character all the time. And mm-hmm. I just couldn't do anything about it. But when I was play testing it earlier in the week, I was I put it on the hardest difficulty. Okay. Yeah. The first alien that shows up killed my guy four times before I could get past it. And all it is is a quick time event of pressing the letter F on your keyboard really fast. You just gotta hammer it. Yeah, you just gotta hammer it. And the fact that it took four tries to finally get through that, I'm like, okay, I can't play on the hardest difficulty because this game is clearly broken. <laughs> <laughs> Because all you, cause I'm like, it's going to jump. It's like, it's like, it's like a uh, scripted event too. So like, mm-hmm. it will always jump on you. So it jumps on you, and I'm already pressing F as fast as I can go, and the game's just like, no, you die. Wow. <laughs> so it's like great. Uh, I think I should have took that as like a sign to not have played that game. Yeah. Um. But we got through it. Took a little bit longer. Um. That should have, but we did get through it. Uh, had a schedule made made the pizzas those were awesome um i made a uh i made sidecars which is a drink live on stream too um learning from that experience it was definitely better from last year because last year i had like four different programs to get the video to show up on my streaming box yeah um this year um chris craft told me about there's different applications that you can basically make a network camera out of like a webcam like on a laptop or use your phone and i was using oh what was it called something dot ninja and I'm, that's not a lie <laughs> vdo dot ninja okay and what it does is a, is it streams using a, i think html5 streams uh your camera through the browser and then he has an OBS plugin that just puts the two together and now you have a it was super easy set up um it worked really well the only downside to it was the uh I need a better microphone for like that whole thing because I was just using like the microphone that's on the webcam and it's you know those are garbage yeah and so i'm like okay now i just need to get a better like i need to get like a omnidirectional mic but the problem is it's a kitchen so (laughs) so it would sound awful too so i wonder if i should get like a a lapel or something like that to do the uh audio for it just something like a decent Uh, room mic would be fine yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll get a lot of like lot... clinking and clanking of all your utensils. See, that's, stuff, I think but... that's fine. That's like it's like that's like kitchen ASMR. Yeah, for sure. I'm just saying, <laughs> you will get that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. 
I just don't want it to be like echoey or thin or anything like that. Yeah. Um. So we got the pizza done. Oh, and then we went to go play Duke Nukem Forever, which everyone was like, oh, man, if Alien Clone Marines was such a hellscape to get through, Duke Nukem Forever is going to be terrible. We only got stuck once in the whole game on a boss. And I remember that boss being kind of a pain in the butts. And uh, basically any time in that game where it like limits your mobility to like move around, you just die a lot. It's just not balanced well. Um, and uh, it's like you're fighting this giant monster on top uh, or giant alien on top of the of a, the Hoover Dam, basically. And Hoover Dam's like one lane wide in the game. Yeah, so, like, you die in like two hits. Die in two hits. And he has like a chain gun. And you're like, well, you kind of just have to figure out how to cheese the boss a bit. Yep. And then once we figured it out, it's like, okay. So that took, once we figured out the cheese, we beat the boss in like two minutes. It it was like 40 minutes up to that point to figure out how to <laughs> cheese the boss. <laughs> but yeah, once we did it, freaking just blew right past him and then sailed on to the end of the game. And uh, finished that up. And, uh, and then that was, it was during Duke Nukem when we hit the goal. Uh, the milestone to dress as Duke Nukem, so that was fun. I had I had like a reveal on on camera, so that was fun. It was fun, yeah. Um, and then uh, after that, um, we played uh, Star Fox sixty four, and this is like three o'clock in the morning. Played Star Fox sixty four, still dressed as Duke Nukem, and then uh, played Portal one. And that got us to about like seven thirty ish, and that was when I just threw the towel in. <laughs> because that's what that was actually twenty four and a half hours at that point. Because we had daylight savings roll in at one at two o'clock in the morning, rolled back to one. So I, <laughs> I had already exceeded twenty four. Right. But like, I was so tired that my like arms hurt. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> for just being like in the chair for so long. Um, so and I was staying hydrated pretty well too. Um I think all I need to do is have more dedicated like stretching times uh, next year. Um but everything about the that script I wrote, there was only one problem with it. Well, there's two, technically, I guess. Um one one thing broke. So every so often, the uh, oh chat is asking uh, Mobius striptease in chat is asking to give my best Duke impression, and none of them are good. Um, but I've got balls of steel. <laughs> good enough. It's <laughs> good enough. Yeah. Um, John St. Jo- oh, I will talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Um. But uh, the the script, um, every so often, the extra life API, I guess, would get overloaded. It would just, the server would just blip for a second, and we would just not get a connection back. Well, I didn't really handle not getting data when you request it. I, that was 
bad. Like I knew that was bad when I wrote it that way. Like basically you need to have like a try and then like a wait and then a try again and then a wait, like a, a polling. Um, I didn't implement that. I should have. Um, but restarting the script hap- fixes it. Yeah, just restarting the script fixed it. Because basically what would happen is that thread would, the polling thread of the API would die and just not fire again because it failed. It basically failed with an exception except instead of a success. And so the thread just would, wouldn't kick off again. So basically what it would be is like try that and then accept, just kill the thing and just start the thread again. Just try again in like 30 more seconds and it'd probably be fine. Mm. So that, that needs to be implemented correctly. Um, and then uh, the namespace, because I was just sucking in whatever Extra Life told me what the name was. And of course, the people over at my friends over at XOR was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> They're going to spam this. <laughs> they spammed it. And so Zap would just put like zap, 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 zap over and over and just filled my entire screen up with zaps. <laughs> I When I donated one time, I put in, um, it's game over, man. It's game over, you know, from, from Aliens. Yeah. And you could barely even read it because it showed up as black text. Uh, yeah. And and it was it was on top of Alien Colonial Marines, which is like ninety five percent black. <laughs> so that game could, was. Oh, I'm so glad that we did, I didn't have to wear sunglasses wearing playing that game. You couldn't play it. it no, you couldn't play it. <laughs> it was, that game was so dark. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't call that one a fail. That one's just like oh, it just needs polish. Which one? The the second issue. I mean, uh, issue of the uh, the main oh, space. Oh yeah, the yeah, text. yeah, yeah field not. and so i and i don't know what extra li- what that it's it's called donor drive that's the actual platform they run on mm-hmm. um and i don't know if donor drive actually like screens any of those fields for bad things oh right okay. right okay because it's always going to be those people fortunately you know you know it's a charity stream and you know, everyone that I was sending it out to, and I'm hoping most everyone here that's listening to the podcast is also really good people. It's <laughs> just well behaved, um, well behaved. Um, but I know from watching other people on Twitch that the most of there's a lot of degenerates out there. Let's put it that way. <laughs> people looking for um, a cheap laugh, a cheap laugh. Um, and uh, actually, if you're donating, it's not a cheap laugh. It's an expensive laugh. <laughs> I mean, you can donate. I think it's like a dollar is the minimal. Oh, okay. So it could be a cheap laugh. Yeah. Um. So that's one thing I want to do as improvement is I want to talk. I want to talk to Donor Drive and be like, "Hey, do you actually filter or screen these inputs for bad things? If not, then I'm just gonna. There's a couple of APIs I found that you can just send the API text, and you get back like it screened." Oh, really? Back. It's an API that so, just scrubs text? It scrubs text for bad things. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, we'll just use one of those. If, if, if Extra Life or the donor drive thing, they don't do it, then I'm just going to do that. I'm just, I'm just going to implement that as a, as a back-end scrub. Sure. Because that would just make me feel better as a, as a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone who... Instead you, of just having... Just cleaning, a, cleaning some undesirable stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
we need to have an auto mod for it. Um, because we did have some spam bots. So I need to get like a, a bot set up for the chat. Um, probably do some stuff like where you do like exclamation point, like donation, it'll pop up with the link. I need to do that kind of stuff next. Um, but we'll have some, some specs. We were, or we raised, I guess we were number one in our local area. Okay. <laughs> number two in Texas. Oh, wow. Number 84 overall. Nice. Congrats. So we did really well. Yeah. Um, I don't know what number I'm going to try to hit next year, but I want to try to break the top 50. Maybe try to be number one in Texas. That'd I think. Be awesome. I, okay. So your first year you did. Well, actually, I shouldn't say your first Your second year, which was last year, you did 51, 5200. Uh, dollars. Yeah, around this, there. This was seven thousand something. I think you should shoot for a cool ten k next year. That's that's a big jump. It is a big jump, but it, you're getting better at it, and it's getting more known that you do this. I think you can make it. Yeah. Um. And I started looking at uh, like after the stream, like basically later. Sun. I, I took a nap on Sunday. I started looking at everyone else that's like above me. Right. Trying to figure out like what's the secret sauce to like break into like the top 50 or like the top 10 just to see what they are doing. Mm-hmm. Some of them are really big groups. Um, and it's like, well, there's nothing really we can do to compete against that unless we like make a podcast group. And I don't really want to do that. Um, but some of them have merchandise. And I thought like, like, what if we sold like shirts or something as a donation perk or um and then I was talking with, uh, this is just random idea. I was talking with my friends at NXOR and be like, hey, what if we did like a badge giveaway? So like if you donated a big number, like you get a, get a badge or something. Like an actual like, extra, we like make like a bling badge for like our extra live stream. You're, yeah, you're a donator. You're special. Yeah. So that was some ideas. I'm like, I think the badge one would probably get the... The, the whole like infosec community involved um so that, so that might be cool eh, we got a whole like 11 months to think about this stuff <laughs> I, I i think something that, that would be really cool we, we mentioned this on an earlier podcast but um a, a situation if somehow i don't know how it would work but if the donators could somehow affect the game you are playing like it depends it, on the game it depends on the game some games allow for that yeah. Um, funny enough, the game we played last year, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, if you play it on a emulator on PC, hmm. there are plugins that allow people to influence it through Twitch, and so you can just make it hooked to whatever other API you want. So that might be something we look at next year, is yeah. the game that we pick has one of those hooks, Yeah, and then we write... Because we'll just expand what we wrote this year for the Python code, right? And we'll add, we'll probably just make another script, not just keep adding to this thing. Though that'd be kind of cool to be like, make this huge, ginormous Python script that like does everything. Yeah. But, um, but hooks into that with the donation stream. Because that would be cool. That would be really um, cool. So that's, that would be interesting. Uh, 
Though I tend to pick, I was thinking about like for next year, like Dead Space maybe. But I don't think Dead Space has that kind of stuff, like those kind of hooks. Because most of the time it's like either like uh, Skyrim, mm. I think has that um, stuff like that. And I'm something, like, something well, that's easy really... for enemies to spawn, you know? Yeah, and it's like, well, those kind of games, I'm not, I'm not too interested in playing for 24 hours. Um, so that that that's one thing. It's like, what the number one thing is, is it something I think is interesting for 24 hours? Yeah, Can and you put up I with it. Thought Alien Clone Marines would be that, but about halfway through that game, I was already like, screw this game. I hate this <laughs> game so much. That game, I used to love that game. Like, yeah. I have so many. I played that game. When it came out, I played the hell out of it. I I I streamed it back then too. Like that's like what 2013 something like that. No, like 2010. Ah, whatever. I played the hell out of that game, and I was like, I love this game a lot. So I had really fond memories of that single player game, and the it was a disaster. Like <laughs> the nostalgia glasses level, were thick, thick. But like every other level, we had checkpoint like issues, like. Like an NPC is supposed to do something. Like the whole there's a fight scene where you fight the the queen alien. Spoiler alert: there's queens and, and aliens. It's an alien um, game. <laughs> like not yeah. much of a spoiler. Um, <laughs> and you're supposed to fight it in the the power lifter armor, right? Yeah. I I. I the, the 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 queen like pops through like these two this like these like armored doors and i punched the alien and the alien went through the door and the door shut and then the alien got stuck on the other side <laughs> and you're supposed to like fight the alien for like five minutes yep yep <laughs> and so we just sat there for like i think we sat there for like 10 minutes being like because it kept spawning like little aliens and i'm just like punching the little aliens <laughs> for a while <laughs> And I'm like, something's not right here because, like, the game's not really progressing. Yeah. <laughs> and there was so much jank. It, it was actually comical to watch. You know, it was it was painful for Parker, but it's fun on the other end to watch because it's like, wow, I feel bad for you. Yeah. And I was really worried when we, like, booted up Duke Nukem. It was going to be the same way. And yeah. it was like, nope, that game ran great. It was flawless. It really... It, that game really just... A lot of people hate it, hate on Duke Nukem Forever, but honestly, it is a good game. It just really needs like that one boss fight on top of the Hoover Dam just needs to be fixed up a bit, and honestly, it'd be fine. It's definitely like an older style game because I mean, it started in development when like Quake Two was a thing. Um, I mean, that game was in development for twelve years, so it definitely shows that like. Uh, Chris Craft, one of my friends, is has a great term for it. It's it's video game archaeology, where like the farther you go in the game, the older the game concepts get. Mm. <laughs> and so by the end, by the end of the game, it feels like like a game from like 2000, even though it's a game that came out in 2011. Yeah, it just feels old, even though it looks it's running a modernish engine. And looks okay. It's just the game concepts and how the guns are working and how the environments are laid out. It's definitely from like older 2000s instead of like 2009, 2010. Yeah. 
Whereas like the beginning of the game feels like 2007, 2008-ish. Oh, so we mentioned a little bit is the voice actor for Duke Nukem, John St. John. Um, I asked him on a website called Cameo. This is something I came up with like Thursday night. Okay. Um, like So this is like two days before the stream. And uh, Thursday night, I'm like, oh, I should get like, I should ask John St. John on Cameo and ask him to do some like voice recordings for uh, like introducing Duke to the podcast. Oh, not to the podcast, to the uh, stream um, when I would dress as him. Uh, and it says like it says like when you pay for it all and stuff it says like oh it could take up to seven days and i'm like oh no like he probably won't get to it dude knocks it out in like less than 24 hours and i'm trying to find the audio so i don't know i might have to give this audio to josh our editor so you can put it into the podcast but I'll play it for everyone on our live stream. Oh, I got to boost that volume up, don't I? I I was telling Parker the other day, uh, eight-year-old Steve, knowing that my buddy got Duke Nukem to talk to him, I would have just lost it. The name's Nukem. Duke Nukem. I'm here because the Extra Life charity stream from Parker Dillman is important to me. Parker raised more than 5000 bucks last year, and this year he wants to help out even more. Streaming Duke Nukem Forever shows he's got balls of steel. So let's get in there and kick some alien ass. He just did an amazing job at, 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 uh, at that, and uh, I really appreciate what he, he did. So, Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, I got to go send him, I'll send him, try to shoot him an email or something thanking him. Um, cause like when he sent, like got that at like six o'clock on Friday and I just like, I couldn't, cont- I, I got so excited. Like it's been a while since I was like that excited about something. And it was like, you know, a two minute video clip that someone like spoke into like, you know, their their phone right not somebody duke himself duke himself yeah so So again thanks everyone that showed up donated supported um we'll do it again next year for sure Uh, if you have any ideas of like maybe games you want to see or um ideas to grow the the uh charity stream let us know in the slack channel remember it's also it's not associated at all with macrofab um it's just it's just me and then uh extra life which is the charity organization um so i guess it's just not just me it's like all the other like eighteen thousand something people who are doing extra life streams but um i it's like my page i guess well and the all the uh all the prep work you do and the uh, the, the computer oh, yeah. engineering that's computer engineering that's that's less fun though it's it's fun because now guess what it's done until like ten months from now <laughs> we have to like have to dust off all the code and 
and figure out if it still works. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yep. You're talking about your CNC. I was just about to. Yeah. Let's 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 go on to that. I was just about to mention it. Uh, <clears throat> so, gosh, a handful of weeks ago, I I did a few topics on the podcast about uh, readjusting my CNC that I've had for gosh, almost a decade now. And, uh, just, you know, my, my cruddy kit CNC, I got a while ago. And so I kind of had a goal. I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I'll, I'll I'll mention again. I I had a goal of firing up that CNC again, uh, recalibrating it and seeing how well I can get without spending a dime. Basically, how much can sweat equity and just elbow grease get out of that CNC? And there was a few things I wanted to prove for it because um, it's it's probably no real big secret, but I'm I'm manufacturing amplifiers, and um, basically every amplifier I I make I need cabinets for, and so I'm looking for a CNC that can do production work, things that uh, I can I can crank out uh, cabinetry with good reliability and repeatability and i had previously been con or yeah contracting out to a cnc shop here in denver and they do a fantastic job i have no complaints with it other than the fact that everything i do cost me a pretty hefty amount of money it's not cheap to get someone else to cnc for you and you know every time i would make a change to a design there's a design fee change and all kinds of jazz and I'm realizing that, you know, in very short order, I would be able to afford a pretty significant CNC change if I just did it myself. And I have a CNC in my basement. So I was like, okay, well, I'll I'll work with that. So so I, I, I spent a few weeks getting my CNC up just to the level where I could test a handful of things on it. Basically, I, I, I really wanted to figure out was if I had a, a decent CNC, would I be okay with the production that it could produce? Uh, would would it be acceptable enough? And what kind of feeds and speeds could I really get away with with the kind of plywood that I'm I'm using on it? And what I really found with the CNC that I have in my basement is that it got me like honestly about 70, 80 percent of the way there. Like I, I could I could make things on it right now. And I have made a handful of things recently on it that um, I'm happy with, but I know they could be a little bit better. And uh, there's there's a there's two big downfalls with the CNC that I currently have. And I and they got to the point where these two things are like, I have to make a change to them. Uh, The the, the, the first thing is that it's not rigid enough to take it fast enough. Uh, My my table isn't rigid enough and my gantry is not rigid enough to go the, the speeds I need to go. That doesn't mean that I get bad cuts. But that does mean that I will artificially wear, not artificially, I will prematurely wear my bits and just cause problems with the system. And the second issue is it's not repeatable. Uh, Not repeatable enough. It's certainly plenty repeatable. It's a stepper motor uh, CNC platform, but just flex and give and all the, the mechanics of the whole system are just not uh, repeatable to the level that I would be pleased with. Um, I guess I guess there's another issue that I would that would stack on top of that that really uh, is is more of just a uh, logistics kind of thing. The CNC I have is a four foot by four foot. 
um, I mean, it's it's envelope is larger than that, but but the actual cutting envelope that I, I can put a four foot by four foot piece of plywood on it and be happy with that. Four foot by four foot is not the most ideal, given that um, many many pieces of plywood that I would deal with are five foot by five foot, um, and four by eight is a- another standard. So splitting four by eight into two four by fours is kind of a pain in the butt. Five by five is a little bit more ideal for what I my, my purpose. So if I wanted to use five by five, I had to do two rip cuts and, the, and and have these one foot by five foot sections that are just sort of off cuts and weird. And then it becomes a lot more of a pain in the butt to design around that and have to uh, have multiple programs to accomplish one thing. It's just it's, there's a lot of non-ideal things with the CNC. So you can make a lot of shelves. Yeah, yeah, a ton of shelves. A lot of five foot wide shelves. <laughs> and so, so actually, a kind of an interesting thing: um, plywood in America. I'll, if you go to big box store, you guys know, everyone knows the ones I'm talking about. You're, you're not going to find five by fives. You're going to find four foot by eight foots. Um, mm-hmm. If you go to lumber yards, you'll find a mixture of both four by eights and five by fives. The thing about five by five is it's actually a bit more efficient because five by five fills shipping containers better than four by eights. Four by eights don't efficiently fill shipping containers. So you're just artificially spending a little bit more on four by eights due to shipping. So if you can work with five by five, it actually ends up being slightly more efficient. You end up uh, with a better cost per square area. So I, I, after a, a bit of thought, I've, I've, I've made the decision that I'm going to ditch my CNC. Finally, after a decade, just get rid of that damn thing. And I'm, I'm building a whole brand new CNC. And, and what's a, a little bit serendipitous about this and kind of funny is, oh gosh, a year ago, maybe two years ago, I don't know, a long time ago, I found a Fusion 360 model that was available on GrabCAD that, uh, that was a parametric cnc design by a uh, a person named ed frazier and i had just downloaded it randomly because it was just like oh this looks cool i want to i want to check it out and i had it in my in my fusion library just sitting around and after i kind of made the decision to yeah i need a, a different method of cnc i remembered i had that and went and checked it out and i was like this is actually a a a, a potential candidate for for something because i started looking at kits and started looking at at a bunch of different options and they were all outside of my price range for the size of cnc i wanted because really i you know like a two by four foot cnc is is fairly inexpensive but that would be a very large waste of of uh wood material material yeah so I really wanted a CNC that could accept a full five by five sheet. And that's a big CNC, you know, uh, I used to actually have one that, that, or the one in my basement when I had it, uh, in a previous workshop, it was, it would accept a full four by eight sheet. And that was, that was really legit, but that was overkill in most situations. But, uh, really except having one that would accept a five by five would allow me to, to take five by fives or I could rip cut a four by eight and half and put four by fours on it. So that made the most sense, but searching around for kits or, or options for five by fives were just outside of my price range for just generally what was available. So I, I remembered this, this one fusion file, which we'll put the, uh, the link up. It's, it's available. If you want to just go and play around with this, it's a parametric CNC design that is 
stripped down and made as simple as possible to uh, fabricate yourself. So it's based on 8020 extruded aluminum uh, and a handful of aluminum parts that uh, need to be milled. Well, the lucky part is I have access to some amazing mills at work that I can use for this kind of stuff. And 8020 is easy to get. So the cool thing with this model, <clears throat> this fusion model is because it's parametric, you can go in and change any of the pa parameters you want in it to adjust for things. So, so as a base, the model is, I don't know how wide it is uh, just in general, but I was able to adjust the just by changing a handful of parameters to make my cut bed work with off the shelf parts and still be five by five so you know ball nut screws and linear rails and mm -hmm. things like that that are standardized size adjust the parameters i love how this this model works it's so fantastic in fusion you just go and adjust like my x size i want it to be this and it just bloop the whole model just changes and then gives you uh, parameters for things like hey this piece of aluminum needs to be cut to x length and whatnot so it makes it mm -hmm. super super easy to work with and um after a few weeks of really digging into this model uh, i i made the decision i was like this is what we're gonna go for i'm gonna i'm gonna build this model which is which is funny i i don't think any i mean i shouldn't say i don't think anyone's built it i don't know of anyone who's built this model so i may be the first i don't know i'm gonna totally get in contact with ed fraser once I have everything done and be like, Hey, I built your thing, dude. This is, this is super cool. Um, so yeah. Send him a postcard. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be great. Postcard, postcard Harvey or CNC. I, I totally will. Like I'm, I'm going to thank this guy for sure because, um, the, the way he designed it is it's really, really clean. Everything is very easy to work with it. Uh, it's all metric and it all goes together with M four, five, six, and eight bolts. And um, everything is just like, it's really, really, really well done, if you ask me. Um, there, there's a few small hiccups in the program, things that, as I was doing my review, they just needed a little bit of adjustment, but uh, nothing that's like game changer or, or breaks it. In fact, that's, that's one of the things I found with getting other people's designs for CNCs and stuff. Like you go look at their models and things like, oh, this is great. And then you go look at uh, versus data sheets of parts and like nothing aligns and nothing's right. <laughs> like I, I, I went and got data sheets for every linear rail, every truck, every ball screw, ball screw nuts, things like that. And I, mm -hmm. I double checked his work and I haven't found a single error so far, which is awesome. Uh, and makes it nice. So, yeah, so I'm making it all out of 8020 extrude aluminum. Um, and in his model, he makes the entire bed of the CNC out of 8020. Um, uh -huh. And then he also has a model of a wooden like table for it all. I, I ditched all the wooden stuff. I'm making all the legs, all of everything is, is everything out of 8020. Yeah, the only thing that's going to be organic material is the uh the spoil board i'm gonna put spoil mdf board. on it yeah organic <laughs> <laughs> um and and i made a handful of changes also to the model to stiffen things up because uh it with with having a five foot gantry we're yeah. we're talking about super long gantry with um i i did some some calculations if you go to 8020 you can you can do beam deflection calculators based off of weight uh and see how oh, much okay. droop there will be and yeah, some yeah. of the parts i just i rotated 90 degrees to get in a stiffer direction and things like that uh, what actually let, let me back up real quick one of the one of the things that's 
you know unique about this project is I'm trying super, super hard to not make a general purpose machine here, even though CNC's kind of tend to be that in a way. Like I constantly am backing myself up and saying, this machine is intended for production. I'm not trying to cut like other projects on it. I'm not yeah. trying to design it to make all these other things. You're is, cutting plywood. I'm cutting plywood. This machine is meant for, for cabinets. Right, right, exactly. And it's and it's not meant to take a bunch of random sizes. It's intended to take four by four or five by five. So I'm using that as my design criteria for the whole CNC. Um, now, if if it if it if it can cut something else, then sure, that's fine. But that's not its design criteria. So uh, it doesn't have a very large Z travel. Uh, it's only a few inches. And b in fact, by turning some of my aluminum extrusions into their stronger axis, I lost some Z travel. But I'm cutting five inches thick plywood. I don't need seven inches of Z travel on that. Like you, yeah. I'd never use six of the seven, right? Yeah. So um, I have to keep reminding myself like, don't add money to this. Don't add complexity to this. This is a production machine. It's intended for one purpose. Yeah. Cutting uh, five eighths inch plywood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like I said, it, it can do other things and great. I will probably use it for other things, but I'm not going to design it to do everything. I'm designing it to do the thing I want it to do. Yeah. No. And it keeps scope creep down too. Well, and it also keeps the cost down. Like it, it's a, uh, it's you can you can spend as much as you want making general uh purpose machines but if you keep if you have a focus you can apply a budget and actually stay within it so that helps mm -hmm. out a lot so i guess i guess the one thing that kind of keeps this out of reach for i would say most people who would want to make something like this is the fact that you do have to machine a bunch of aluminum parts for it in fact i think there are 23 or 24 unique aluminum parts on them Mm -hmm. uh and there some of them are are small like a few inches by a few inches by like seven millimeters thick so a little bit over a quarter of an inch but most of the pieces are five eighths inch thick aluminum some of the pieces are seven eighths inch thick aluminum so they're not necessarily seven eighths yeah 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 some of them are are like they're not the the smallest chunks of aluminum but like i said i i'm super blessed and lucky that I have a high speed mill that just absolutely loves chomping on aluminum. So, uh, I ended up grabbing about a hundred pounds of aluminum and milling up a bunch of parts. In fact, I should, I should mention that, um, I'm actually building two of these machines. Well, I'm building one and my business partner's building a second one. So to make life easy, I just decided to mill all the parts for two of them. And, uh, he can uh, he can build his own whenever he gets around to it. I'll just send him all the aluminum. So I'm wondering is um, okay. So send cut send yeah, which is what I use a lot for my my CNC stuff. The thickest five hundred uh, five thousand series aluminum they have is half an inch. Yep. Oh, so, so you've already looked at this. Oh yeah. So so I started by looking at send cut send because I was like, okay, well, what if I just sent it to send cut send? and had them make all the parts. Let me put it this way. The cost for Send Cut Send to make a single aluminum part was almost the cost of me buying all the aluminum for all the parts and cutting them myself. Just a single part. One of the larger ones, but still. Uh, so yeah, if I was were to- Was it a half inch thick piece? 
No, actually, because well, and 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 technically, that's the whole thing. Senkatsen doesn't even offer doesn't, thick enough. Yeah, it does good material. Yeah. So, for for me to do it myself, I mean, I saved a few thousand dollars. Let's put it that way, okay. uh, it, compared to having someone else do it. So, um, and in fact, it ended up being very, very inexpensive. It's just taken, you know, a, a few Saturdays and and evenings after work by the mill. Uh, but but yeah, okay. I think half inch is about the thickest they make. I'm just looking at their other materials to see if they got anything else. No, it doesn't look like it. And I guess it doesn't have to be aluminum. I I, I chose aluminum just because it's that's what I can machine. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing is, I'm like, well, what about mild steel? And they don't have half inches still their max. Well, I <laughs> I don't think I wouldn't want five eighths inch sticks thick steel you know because that would be so unbelievably heavy yeah but it, as we, it is the game it have really good dampening sure <laughs> i i think as it is according to fusion 360 which you know uh, this is probably not super accurate because i haven't gone in and done every material i'm estimating that the gantry is going to be about 200 pounds uh oh, so damn. yeah whipping whipping yeah. that gantry around uh you know if it was steel it would be quite quite a bit more than that so why we double that yeah easy it would be real expensive or not heavy uh but but that's actually brings up a point um before before i got to milling the aluminum i i was uh aluminum isn't the cheapest material out there it's not necessarily that cheap and uh and that easy to get especially in those thicknesses mm-hmm and uh the thickness actually does matter quite a bit in this project so uh before i used the stuff that i got i was i was shopping around on you know all, all the usual suspects and i was thinking master and I, online metals yeah and, those kinds of guys yeah. and and i was looking at it it's like this is not achievable you know with the, uh, the i mean the, the cost is just going to go through the roof trying to get thick aluminum like this and on top of that i would have to spend half a day machining down to the correct thickness and things and it would just be a, an enormous project and uh, that was that was about to kill the project but then i ran into this stuff called atp5 which is cast aluminum as opposed to extruded aluminum Mm-hmm. And uh, this ATP five stuff is amazing. I was not aware of it before this this project. It's it's made by uh, Vista Metals, and uh, they actually call it precision tooling plate. And I would totally use this any day for tooling or for um, like if I needed a base for say uh, a test rig or something like that, and I just needed a big mm-hmm. heavy thing to super flat. bolt everything to. Yeah. So the thing about it is this this ATP five is is. 5000 series uh alloy but it can be welded not but 5000 i think has okay weldability um it's about five percent lighter than 7000 series it has similar uh characteristics to 7000 it it has excellent weldability it also has excellent corrosion resistance in fact it passes one of the salt spray tests um I don't remember exactly which one, but you're totally going to set your CNC up in front of the Gulf of Mexico and, and fogs, uh, salt all over it. Yeah. <laughs> all over it every single morning. Actually, you know, it's funny, like these plates that I, that I cut stuff out of, they would survive. I don't know if 80, 20 would, it, it might corrode. And, oh yeah. And fall apart. Well, 80, 20 is anodized. So it would, it hold up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anodized minus the end that you cut though. Right. 
that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, some other stuff about this tooling plate. It has a uh, a flat not sorry not flatness a surface roughness RMS value of fifteen to twenty, which that's incredibly smooth. That's like glass is like four to ten somewhere in that range. Uh, so it's real smooth. Um, it has an excellent thickness tolerance right from the manufacturer because they ex- they cast the stuff and then they mill it and then they polish it. And so what's huh. nice about it is when you buy a thickness, which lo and behold, they had five eighths and they had seven eighths. I literally just bought this stuff, slapped it on the CNC and just did no surface prep, just went straight to cutting which was incredible that that cuts off so much time you like um running a fly cutter across material is is fun and all but it's just it feels like all the prep work is like 90 percent of your job and then you finally get to the cuts i went straight to the cuts with this stuff it's awesome so the thickness tolerance is plus minus five thousandths of an inch and then it has really good flatness tolerance as well so i didn't have to flatten anything i didn't have to to prep the surface just put it on the machine and press and run it yeah awesome um in fact i was able to cut 45 pieces 46 pieces on a single saturday it was like a eight hour saturday but still i cut like virtually all the parts for this entire machine uh, in one day and those are you know thick pieces of pieces yeah so uh, yeah, so I'm I'm super excited about them. Now, my mill at work isn't fantastic. It's fine with cutting out shapes, but it's not great at drilling small holes that thick. And, and mainly I say it's not great at that because I don't have any bits that are small and super long. So I ended up having to, you know, drill as, or I should say mill as deep as I could. And I'm, I'm having to finish the holes with twist bits. And a lot of the holes are threaded too. So this last week I've been threading out the wazoo. <laughs> like I think I've threaded a hundred something holes. And and at first it's like, ah, oh, that's not much, but it, it adds up fast. I, oh, I've yeah, done, it adds up fast. I've done a few nights of two or three hours of just tapping. And uh, that's tiring, but <laughs> I'm oh, almost you, How many taps it. have you gone through so far? One, actually. I, I, I have... Uh, I've done all the M8s. I've done all, or I've done most of the M6s. It's mostly M5, and that M5 bit in the last like ten was happened. It was struggling. So, <laughs> luckily, I actually had a brand new M5, so I just swapped it out. Um, yeah. But I, I, I was, I was fully expecting a tap to to survive Break all of off. them. Yeah, and I I have not broken a tap yet, and you know I'm near the end, so I'm not. Don't jinx me. <laughs> I don't because I really okay. don't want to break a tap in this material. Luck, luckily, the the aluminum's really really soft. It uh, it mills like butter. In fact, I have a video of it milling. I'll I'll uh, I'll send it. Uh, I'll put it in Slack. Actually, let's do it that way. If you wanna if you wanna check it out, uh, macfab.com/slack. Um, it mills like butter. The only thing that sucks is it also dings and dents and scratches like butter. So like, <laughs> like you have these pristine parts and then you put them on a pile of, you know, chips that you just drilled out and like, Oh man, yeah. I just dinged it. Whatever. It happens, you know? Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's been fantastic to work with. The other thing about this ATP five is it's not terribly expensive. 
So if you yeah. need just a big old chunk of something that that's flat that you can mill up real easy, like check it out. It's totally worth it. So, um, yeah, so I've got almost all the parts machined up. Over the Christmas holiday, I'm I'm going to try to get all the 80-20 and build the frame. The nice thing with this is I'm, I can take it in steps. I, I don't have everything mm-hmm. right now to do all the all the everything let's put it that way yeah, uh, yeah. i can i can uh, i i'm milling all the aluminum parts then i'm gonna build the frame then i'm gonna worry sometime later about all the electronics we'll do this sequentially it's just i kind of want to get all the aluminum stuff done right now mm-hmm. and uh and actually i got a lovely package from mcmaster car right before the podcast that was filled with socket head cap screws so after the podcast i'm gonna build up a um my the z-axis for one of the machines and give it a go so i'll uh, i'll post some pictures of that as uh, as that comes together so then um yeah next steps is i gotta finish up drilling all the stuff finish tapping all of them then i'm gonna buff all the parts with scotch bright wheels because uh, i want to get all of them to kind of a matte ish look and uh, I found a place in town that is totally reasonable for anodizing. So I'm going to get all of the aluminum black anodized because uh, I think it'll look sexy with the uh, silver um, 80-20 extrusions and then black aluminum all over the place and then stainless mm-hmm. steel bolts in it. Oh, man, it's going to look so good. It'll look good. Yeah. So I'm I'm super stoked about it. And I will eventually ha- finally have the CNC that I really have wanted for the last decade and just kind of like put up with my crap CNC. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, so the crap CNC, just to, just to have a quick chat about that. I will no longer need the crap CNC. Uh, And because of that, it it will be taking up room in my basement. Um, If there is a listener on the podcast that either wants to come to Denver or lives in the Denver area and wants a crap CNC, I will give my CNC to a listener. <laughs> it, it, it will be minus two parts. You will have to supply two parts. You'll have to supply the spindle for it, and you'll have to supply a computer for it. But you can have the CNC. The oh, you're going to give them the motors, huh? Yeah, I'll give you motors. You can have the full all the drives. You can have... Uh, uh, basically most of the wiring you'll have to have the spindle wire or is it, it that, that CNC owes you nothing, Stephen. Yeah, no, absolutely. It has nothing. given its all, it, it, and and it did great. <laughs> like I, I've built so oh, many yeah, things we made on that a lot CNC. Of stuff on that thing. I, I've built so many things on that CNC. I'm not complaining about it. But here's the thing: if you want a a CNC that will cut some things, that's what I will promise it will do. It will cut some things. Oh, I wouldn't even promise that. Yeah, well, it, it, it works. It works. Um, but yeah, if you want it, get in contact. Uh, come on the Slack channel. Uh, hit me up. The uh, the the one stipulation is uh, you have to come and get it out of my basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with that, that's, that was the Macrofab. Got anything else about your CNC? I do not right now. We'll talk about the uh, Jeep prop fan thingy PDM project next week. Yeah, there's some cool stuff with that. Yeah. So that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy.
Thank you, yes, you, our listeners, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, like if you want to get Steven CNC machine or um, you have an idea for the uh, Extra Life charity stream for 2023, let Steven and I know. You can tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. You can find it at MacFab.com slash Slack.